0: This episode is brought to you by the Italian Wine Academy, teaching WSET levels 1, 2, and 3 in English, right here in Verona, the home of the Italian Wine Podcast. Want to become part of the international wine sector? Need a worldwide recognized certification? Don't know where to start? You can easily complete our courses while you enjoy the fun and excitement of Verona. Make your vacation good value for money by adding a wine certificate to your souvenirs. Visit our website at italianwineacademy.org for more information and sign up today to start your personal adventure in global wine education. Welcome to Jumbo Shrimp Wine Study Maps. We have specially created this free content for all our listeners who are studying for wine exams. This has been a journey of development since Stevie Kim discovered Rosie Baker's hand-drawn maps on Instagram through two years of work by our in-house editorial and graphics team, and now the maps are available to purchase in beta form while they undergo the final proofing and editing by our expert advisory board. It's a three-layered project because we know everyone learns differently. We now offer the complete box set of 39 maps, this series of podcasts with the maps narrated by our crack team of wine educators, and finally, the study guide book, which will be published later this year. Our map project is in no way a substitute for the material set out by other educational organizations, but we hope all the wine students out there will find our map project a new, exciting, and useful tool for learning. For more information and to buy the maps, please visit our website at MamaJumboShrimp.com.
1: Welcome to the Jumbo Shrimp Wine Study Maps Podcast. In this episode, we will be looking at the Northeast Italy map. The Northeast of Italy is the most varied region of climate and topography. The Veneto region is defined mostly by the Po River Basin, a wide swath of flat, fertile farmland running from the border of Lombardy to the west to the Adriatic Sea in the east. Going north, the foothill areas of Valpolicella, Suave, and Prosecco climb quickly into the steep mountains of the Dolomite Alps through Trentino and into Alto Adige. Here, the steep granite mountains, carved with deep valleys by glaciers and rivers, seem to rise almost vertically from the valley floors. Vineyards climb up the hillsides, some terraced and others on almost impossibly steep slopes. The region of friuli Venezia Giulia, often referred to simply as Friuli, is equally diverse, yet not so severe. Here, the vineyards climb slowly northward from the gravelly plains, starting at the Adriatic Sea, toward the hilly Slovenian border to the east and the Austrian mountains to the north. The interior of Veneto and up into the lower Trentino is a moderate continental climate, with cool wet winters, hot and humid summers, and plenty of rain. The northern part of Trentino, into Alto Adige, is a cool alpine climate. However, the river valleys of Alto Adige meeting at the town of Balzano collect and hold so much summer sun and warmth that it is the second hottest city in Italy during the summer, only behind Palermo in Sicily. Northeast Veneto, into Friuli, is more of a warm maritime climate moderated by the Adriatic Sea and cooled by wind coming down from the Austrian Alps. These bordering northern mountains protect from the coldest of winter weather and the strongest of continental summer storms. The Po and Adige rivers offer moderating climatic influence, but so especially does Lake Garda, a deep glacial lake that is the largest in Italy. Its cool waters influence the vineyards of both southern Trentino and western Veneto, like Valpolicella, Bardolino, and Lugana. Viticulture in this region has adapted over the centuries to the varying climates and terroirs, particularly with the various vine training systems. The ancient peoples that first cultivated grapevines did so by training the vines up trees to lend support. The Greeks and then the Romans improved upon this wild haphazard style by creating orderly vineyards with the vines trained to posts. Many different systems have evolved over the years from this, depending on the climate, topography, and the needs of the vine. The pergola training system is one that dates back to at least the ancient Romans. The vines are trained upward to an overhead trellis that allows the grapes to hang below the canopy but overhead of those working in the vineyard. Of the benefits are it allows for airflow through the vines, especially in humid areas like the Veneto and Trentino. The canopy also provides some protection for the grapes, allowing for lower sugar and higher acidity for sparkling wines, or a longer growing season for more complex grape ripeness. Also, Farmers were able to maximize their land usage by planting vegetable beds underneath the grapes. Held on to even through the 1960s as the Mesadria system, in Italy this was still quite common. A type of sharecropping system around since the Middle Ages, where the farmer owed one half of his harvest to his landlord, so maximizing the output of his land was the most important. The difficulty of using pergola is that everything in the vineyard must be done by hand, therefore increasing the labor cost. So, as mechanization and modern techniques came into Italy, Many farms converted their vineyards to cane trellising systems, like the VSP, which is vertical shoot positioning. First adopted by the French in Bordeaux, this trains the vine shoots upward from the cane, maximizing sun exposure for the bunches and allowing for higher density of planting and making machine harvesting possible. This is probably the most common vine trellising used in Italy now, especially for co ops and large farms that have to machine harvest the grapes. Interestingly, Recent studies have found that for the native red grapes around Valpolicella, for example, the pergola system actually leads to better quality fruit, so many wineries that had tried to adopt the new ways have gone back to the old ways. As the northeast of Italy seems to be a mix of the old and the new, let's look at some of the most important grapes, starting in Friuli Venezia Giulia. Pinot Grigio is now the most planted white grape in Italy, at least from the 2015 numbers, but its trend has been increasing for two decades. As mentioned in the Italy map discussion, for much of the world, Pinot Grigio has come to define Italian white wine. High volume, inexpensive, perfect for VSP trellising that allows for huge swaths of vineyards to be easily machine harvested. These wines are light in body, with medium acidity and typical citrus and green fruit flavors, but there are corners of Friuli that have embraced and succeeded with this traditional grape. Traditional meaning not native, but established and now historically important. The gravelly plains of coastal Friuli that rise from the Adriatic coast, the DOC called Friuli Grave, and the steep low hills of Colio on the border with Slovenia produce rich and ripe styles of Pinot Grigio to its fullest potential. Higher acidity, medium body, rich and ripe tree fruit with a hint of texture. Or more depending on the skin contact, Pinot Grigio has a varying amount of color in its skins. It's a mutation from the Pinot family. And this region is also famous for Romato, which is copper in Italian wine to take on a slight to pronounced salmon color. With the worldwide fascination for rosé wines, these Friuli gems are having a resurgence. Merlot has also become so important to the regions of Friuli and eastern Veneto that, though not native to Italy, is now considered traditional to the winemaking of the region. Probably brought from France through the Austrian Empire in the 1800s, like Pinot Grigio, Merlot established itself very quickly in the area. It is an adaptable grape, although not as much as Cabernet Sauvignon and thrives in the maritime influence in cooler clay or gravel soils in this area. Merlot is a vigorous vine. that gives plenty of bunches, and it makes wine of medium body, medium acidity, lots of lush ripe red fruit flavors, and it can make more serious wines and vinify with oak. Italian Wine Podcast, part of the Mama Jumbo Shrimp Family. 2015, Merlot was the seventh most planted grape in Italy. It's authorized in dozens of DOC wines. It has its own Strada del Merlot, a winery tour route along the Isonzo River in Friuli. And, in Tuscany, one of the world's most prestigious and expensive wines is made from single vineyard Merlot. But Friuli has dozens of native, or the word is octocthonous, grapes that make wines that have longer defined this region. After all, the ancient Roman city of Aquileia, which at the time was the second largest in the empire, was renowned for its white wines. Friulano is probably the most well-known. It was once called Tokai Friulano, but the Tokai of Hungary now solely claims that name. You might see it labeled as T-A-I, or Thai, across in Veneto. Documented as far back as the 12th century, Friulano is thankfully resistant to most diseases, perfectly adapted to this humid area near the sea. The typical dry wines have medium-high acidity, pear, red apple, herbs, and even sweet almond flavors, and create a lovely tension of creaminess versus texture bitterness in the glass. To the north, into the Dolomite Alps, we have the two regions of Trentino and Alto Adige, connected by the Adige River and often referred to in the same phrase. These two areas are most well known for traditional grapes like Pinot Grigio, Chardonnay, Gewürztraminer, Pinot Bianco, and Merlot, usually bottled as single varietals. Remember, much of this area was part of the Austrian Empire until after the First World War. These high alpine vineyards, with surprisingly warm summer days but cool nights, are perfect for retaining refreshing acidity for these aromatic whites and light-bodied reds, like the native Schiava. Because the vineyards are small and labor-intensive, cooperatives of local farmers tend to make most of the wine, usually labeled as Alto Adige D.O.C. Unlike some of the farming in the south of Italy, here the co-ops are highly regarded going south in the Trentino, the valleys get a little wider and the vineyards planted on both sides of them at lower elevations. Traditional grapes are still common, but a few native arrivals are quite noteworthy. Tiraldigo is especially noteworthy. Being a parent grape to other local red varietals, it prefers a pergola training system as being susceptible to humidity and valley wind. Though when fully ripe it makes wines of deep red color, high but supple tannins, high acidity, dark red to black fruit, and unlike most other mountain reds, can be elevated with oak aging. Most of the regional wines are labeled as Trentino D.O.C., but there is a separate Trento D.O.C. called Trento Doc. These are Matodo Classico wines from Chardonnay and the Pinot Grapes that are some of the best values in Italian sparkling wine. Into the Veneto, let's touch briefly on the area of Prosecco in the east, as this will be covered more fully in the sparkling wine podcast. While Glera plantings have grown fivefold in the previous decade to satisfy the worldwide demand for Prosecco, and the D.O.C. encompasses much of both Friuli and Veneto, the hills around the towns of Osolo and Vallubiadne are some of the steepest, most densely planted, and most expensive in all of Italy. The wines of the D.O.C.Gs are the best examples of the floral, fruity, peach, and creamy sparkling texture that made these wines so famous. Suave is another case of two practically different wines with the same name. To the north, around the town of Suave, is the Clasco region hillside vineyards, and soils of limestone clay and volcanic rock that benefit from the cool elevation and steeper slopes. The Garganaga grape especially achieves here higher acidity, pronounced citrus and stone fruit, and its hallmark nutty aroma and texture. These white wines quite often benefit from a few years of bottle aging. South of the town, where the flat plains run to the Po River, the soil is alluvial and more fertile. We see more of the Trebbiano de Suave and other approved whites in the blends, and the wines here are fruitier, of more medium acidity, and meant to be drunk a little younger. Any wine from the region can be labeled as Suave DOC, but only the hillside vineyards produce Suave Classico. One of the unique DOCG wines of the area is called Reciotto di Suave, a sweet white wine made from dried grapes of ancient Roman origins. It's made by using the appassimento method. The Reciotto refers to the little ears of the grape bunches that became the ripest. We'll discuss that in just a minute. Going west, we reach the Valpolicella wine area, and like Suave, we have the original vineyards on the hillsides, to the north, where the soils and the elevation slow down grape ripening and the increase in acid and phenolic texture. While to the south, the vineyards are flatter, soil is more sand and gravel, and the warmer area, further from the cooling influence of Lake Garda, makes for riper and fruitier wines. The whole area is under Valpolicella DOC, but only the northern hills encompass the Classico DOC. Corvina is the main grape in the various Valpolicella blends and elevations. It's an ancient varietal native to the area of Veneto, just east of Lake Garda around the town of Verona, and it seems to thrive nowhere else in the world. This dark red grape with thick skins, thought to be named for the corvo, the black raven, that probably enjoyed these berries as a sweet snack when ripe. Corvina is high in acidity but lower in tannins, sunburns easily, and its bunches are sensitive to humidity diseases like botrytis. So the pergola training is perfect, allowing for a canopy of shade and airflow around the grapes for complete ripening. Even so, farming grapes in this warm humid area almost always requires some spray treatments to prevent mildew and bunch rot. The wines here have been prized since Roman times and probably the pre-Romans, and were most likely made in what we now call the appassimento method. The grapes harvested first, the raccioto or ears of the bunch, and dried to evaporate water, concentrating sugar and acid. The modern technique is to harvest the best bunches early, so to start with more natural acidity, more sugar plus acid plus tannin equals a more stable wine, definitely able to survive the long wagon ride to Rome. The wines were sweet because the native yeast would die off before completing fermentation, particularly since the fermentation would begin in the winter months and the cold would often kill the yeast. This is today Recioto della Valpolicella, but in the 1900s the yeast started to adapt to the higher sugar and high alcohol environment and wine cellars had heating during the winter. And a strange thing happened to one winery's barrel of Recciotto. It fermented all the sugar to a dry wine. The winemaker, apparently, hid that barrel. Sure, he had ruined it. But this big, dry, bitter wine, this Amarone, soon became the most famous wine in the region, and Amarone della Valpolicella was given its own DOCG in 2010. And why waste those Reciotto or Amarone skins that still have sugar in them? Just before the end of fermentation, the Amaroni juice, or Reggio juice, is drained from the tanks, and those skins are added to the vat of normal Valpolicella wine for a second fermenting, a repass, or repasso. This, of course, adds more color, flavor, tannin, and potential alcohol to the wine, creating Valpolicella repasso, another ancient technique made modern in Italy. Grazie e arrivederci. Grazie.
0: Thanks for listening to this episode of Italian Wine Podcast brought to you by Italian Wine Academy, offering WSET levels 1, 2, and 3 in English. Visit our website at italianwineacademy.org for more information and sign up today to start your personal adventure in global wine education right here in the heart of Verona. Remember to subscribe and like Italian Wine Podcast and catch us on SoundCloud, Spotify, and wherever you get your pods. You can also find our entire back catalog of episodes at italianwinepodcast.com. Ching. Ching!